A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> It remains obvious, Elizabeth Best, that you desire a, a level of compatibility in a relationship, right? You, well, of course. That's what you're looking for. Yes. You want things in common, you want things to get along with. However, in a relationship, a certain incompatibility may at times be useful. That's why they say opposites attract. <laughs> at times they do. The famous example would be like if you're if you end up with someone who hates like the pickles in McDonald's. That's a symbiotic relationship. But you, my but friends. you yourself, you love the pickles. Yep. Have you ever run a, run across this sort of weird mutual beneficial thing? In uh, that spurs from in my life. Oh, I mean the pickles things are classic, that, right? That like the... I always am a, am a pickles gal, so I, that's happened before where I always get to have the pickles. But I can't think of anything else that's been like um, beneficial. I mean, I guess the fact that I like reality TV and my ex partners haven't means that I get a bit of time to myself. Is that a good right. enough answer? Yeah, no, that's totally because <laughs> yeah, so like it means that I don't because because if you've got too many shows that you watch together, then you just get you just have to stop when when you're not with the person. So like yeah. you know yeah, so that inc- incompatibility, the uh, over watching wanting to watch yeah. uh, reality TV shows means that you get to sit and be alone and watch the thing by yourself and, look, and be totally at peace. Exactly, and, and he fucks off and does something else. There's been other things where, um, like, I really, really, really enjoy cooking and they prefer to clean up so that works oh that's a you know that's a they're wonderful, just like they're yeah. cleaning nazis but they don't want to cook and i don't want to clean so oh, that's, the, that's got me excited yeah, thought of, thought that's of that. the dream because I, I would happily like i would happily be the cleaner oh my god if i didn't I, have to cook I've every only night i found one other person who's the cleaner like they're oh, just like you clean me. now you've cooked and i'm like excuse me <laughs> no thank you yeah i don't i don't go on dates and say let me cook for you my darling oh, i say I let do. me clean for you, my darling, because <laughs> it's secretly cleaning for me, and I love it. <laughs> so sometimes in life or in dating, in the world of dating, uh, you may be incompatible, but in that incompatibility, uh, it works. It can, yeah, it can sweet, work for sweet you. rewards. Make rewards it work abound. for you, not against you. Yeah, that's good advice. Welcome to Ghosts of Boyfriends Past. I'm Liz Best. Uh, good morning, noon or afternoon, everyone. I'm Tom Harris. And we have a guest today, a returning guest who I'm very excited about. Yes. She's basically the internet's queen of too much information. She is a sex columnist for loads of different publications. She's amazing. She's sexy. She's Nadia Bagodi. Nadia, welcome back. I'm so excited to be back. I feel so privileged that you guys wanted me on here another time. <laughs> well, you've got stories to tell, my dear. Now, if we don't remember, Nadia's episode was very early on in Ghost of Boyfriend's past yes. history, and it was called Nadia and the Ho Phase, and we loved it. So if you want to go back and listen to that, we're going to be popping that one in the show notes. But 
The reason why we wanted to get Nadia back on is because, well, apart from the fact that she tells a bloody good story, um, she's had quite a few big life changes since then in her romantic life, and I wanted to kind of talk about that. So talk about it. <laughs> look, last time um, we had you on, you were in a long-term relationship um, with a man and were quite happy at that time. Um, but, and for people who haven't heard the first episode, Nadia's has also previously been married before. Um, so then let's start, I guess, at the end of that relationship, shall we? Uh, look, it's it's been a bit of a journey. So um, I guess I could start maybe toward the end of that relationship, which was uh, probably in sort of the last... I mean, something that I always, I guess, knew about myself, but weirdly uh, wasn't uh, open about. And it's really like, it's really um, quite interesting that you call me the internet's, you know, queen of too much information. I um, gave myself that tagline as a bit of a joke because people would comment that, oh my gosh, like I tell everyone everything I need to have more of a filter. Nah. You know, my sex life is on the internet. And I, I'm known for, even when I meet people, I tell them too much information about myself, but something that I never used to be forthcoming about, it's very unusual with me because I tell everyone everything, was the fact that I had had um, crushes on and I'd had sort of flings um, and, and casual sex and that kind of thing, I guess, hookups with, other women Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I sort of I guess knew that I was what I thought I would thought I was bisexual but it was not something that I ever felt comfortable sort of coming out and saying I think just because I was raised in um, you know a Catholic um, fairly conservative home and I'm probably making myself sound old here I mean I'm, I'm not that old but even when I was growing up I went to a performing arts high school so you know there were obviously you know gay and bisexual mm. people um, but I didn't really see examples of like two women just being in a romantic relationship getting married raising a family together that sort of thing it wasn't in any of the media I consumed it wasn't in any of the people that I was surrounded with on a day-to-day basis and I had still a lot of I guess maybe internalized homophobia, like negative associations about what it meant to be a queer woman. I remember um, when I was in my teens, my Nana um, made a comment because I got my hair cut short and she said, oh, be careful. You'll look like one of those lesbians. Oh, one of those. (laughs) Look out, look out. Be be Um, careful. You know, you don't want to look like a lesbian. Yeah, right. I had this negative connotation, so I was really never forthcoming about it. And then I think just... So long being in this job of, um, you know, uh, the weekly sex column that I write for news.com.au, it's really helped me to become more comfortable in my sexuality and my sexual identity and to really just explore a lot of issues in myself as I'm sort of talking about things. And and people have the, you know, it's such an amazing position to be in that people trust me to tell me about, you know, their sex lives. And I realised that... um, you know, I needed to be, um, I, well, I guess I felt for myself that I needed to be more open about the fact that I was attracted to women. And so I came out probably about halfway through my relationship as saying that I was bisexual and my boyfriend was very understanding of it. And, you know, people were very understanding of it. Um, and as time went on, I realized that, um, 
I don't know. It's hard to describe. It just felt like something was sort of missing. I always, to be honest, felt like something was kind of missing, but I, I didn't really know what. And then I basically broached with him the idea of us having an open relationship. Um, and he was like, oh, so what? You want to go sleep with other guys? And I was like, well, actually, I want to s- sleep with and date other women. And he's like, what, not guys at all? I'm like, no, just women. So he was like, oh. That sounds hot. Can I'm I? I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I be a part of it? Yeah. Was, no, no, it's just for me. Um, and he was actually super supportive. Um, and it was, I guess, not long into doing that, that something just started to click with me. I had previously had crushes on women. I had hookups, um, sort of one night stands and things with women. But, you know, I think because there was still a lot of shame around it, it was often involving alcohol and things like that. And I'd write it off the next day as, oh, that was experimentation or that was a mistake or whatever. And I think because I'd come out as bisexual, my boyfriend had supported it. I felt in a different headspace when I was meeting women. I was meeting women on Tinder and whatnot um, for dates and hookups and things. And then I realized that I felt just so much more comfortable and so much more myself um, being with women. Um, And I don't know that there was like a specific light bulb moment. I mean, I I had a a particularly strong connection with one woman um, and I I don't know, I kind of just realized that it's so hard to explain, but for me, I realized I, I, I did a lot of reading up and research on um, the, the idea of compulsory heterosexuality and the way that it's thrust upon women. And we are told basically to seek out and to, to feel really validated by male uh, approval, specifically, you know, sexual validation being sexually appealing to men. And, um, you know, without going into too much detail, I didn't, uh, have a sort of proper father figure growing up. So um, I did always feel it was like this bottomless pit with needing male validation and sex did seem to always be the way, you know, the main most powerful way to get that. Mm. Um, But I realized when I was having completely uh, conscious, sober sex with women, women, uh, the kind of sex that I was super present for, you know, emotionally and mindful sex. Yeah. Mindful sex that what I had thought was what sex was supposed to feel like and what was pleasurable sex and what was hot sex and all of this that I'd been having all of these years with men was not. It just, there was like, it was like, I just realized that I'd been living in the dark my whole life and someone finally switched on the light and I could see the color. I was like, wait a minute. This is what sex is supposed to feel like. This is it's felt nothing like this for me. I realized that I'd, I guess, almost been sort of like dissociating a little bit during sex. And then I think because of my job and I write and talk about sex so much and, um, you know, I tell these entertaining stories that I had sort of been leaning more and more into feeling like I was playing this role and I didn't want to sort of break with the character that I'd created of this completely sex crazed boy crazed kind of um girl and so you know I was always talking about like all this hot sex I was having with men and how I just needed yeah to, right to get the d or whatever um 
but yeah, I, I think a lot of it was tied up in that whole compulsory heterosexuality, that idea that I felt that the best thing I could do was just find a man to complete me and to validate me. Um, and I never, the feelings of excitement that I got when I thought that I was falling in, um, falling for a guy, feeling sexually attracted to a guy, I realized that those feelings of excitement were feelings of excitement that a man wanted me because I realized that um, all the, you know, the relationships and stuff I'd had with men were based off a man showing that he was attracted to me, showing that he was interested in me and then me being completely thrilled by that and then feeling a sense that I also was into him. So it was almost like then the sense of worthiness that you got from from men telling you that they wanted you made you attracted to them because you felt worthy? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was basically like addicted to it. You know, I, I, I would have done anything sexually. I would have been the kinkiest, most crazy girl in the bedroom. I would have been the girl who said no to nothing. And I was the girl Mm. who said, I would never say no to anything. I'd be like, yep, whatever you want, I will do it. I will be the freakiest girl that you've ever had sex with. Um, because that seemed to result in men really wanting me, even though it was such a superficial want, because it's obviously they're, you know, wanting to have sex with you, not necessarily wanting, um, falling in love with you or that sort of thing. Um, and I had confused a lot of those feelings and I realized also through therapy and, um, lots of self-reflection that some of that was slightly mixed up with, you know, my own sort of trauma from not really having a very good or stable relationship with my father. Um, because when I was with a woman that, I had feelings for it was so different. I realized like I'm feeling this profound attraction to this woman that I don't even know if she is going to like me. I don't even know if she's into me. I don't even know if she wants to have sex with me, but I'm feeling this profound attraction. Uh, And then when I'm having this really present sex, I feel like it's really joyful and uh pleasurable and just nothing like what i i guess had convinced myself that that sex was supposed to feel like and even then i was sort of reflecting on like i never stopped to think about the fact that every single time i was having sex with a man i used to always um I'm pretty open about the fact that I I consume a lot of porn and I used to always fantasize about my favorite porn star who is a woman. And I would always be imagining while I was having sex with a guy. Um, And I sort of, I hadn't even just little things like that, that I hadn't really stopped to think about Um, or processes that weren't really fully happening to my body. But I think I was just so desperate um, for that validation and that attention. And it felt so good to get it that I was like, all right, this is this is what it's like to be attracted to men and to love sex with men. And I do love this validation and this attention. So clearly like I'm super into men. And this isn't to say that I didn't love my, you know, ex-boyfriend, actually we're, we're still really great mates um, or any of my ex-partners, but I think it was confused for me with maybe more of a friendship love. And I was ha- more so happy to go through the motions of, um, all of the sexual stuff um, because that seemed to bring more and more validation and desire and all of those things that made me feel really, really good. And I was like, yeah, I love this. I love when men want me like this. Um, 
therefore I'm really into men and I'm really into sex with men. Um, and like I said, I think I was leaning into playing a bit of a role at one point because I built so much of my career around talking about. I was going to, I was going to query you on that. Na- I was going <laughs> to que- query you on that, Nadia. Um, the sort of the sex journalist persona, you know, uh, Batman villain, maybe that you, that you built for yourself. Did that become an inconvenient uh, shield where the woman who talks about everything doesn't have anything to hide? She doesn't have any uh, secrets about herself to hide, does she? The woman that talks about everything. Is that, do, do you reckon there's something in that where, uh, you know, you, you were hiding who you were, you were hiding your sexuality, uh, maybe not on purpose, maybe not consciously, Um but how can you how how can you be hiding anything if you're the woman the who talks about everything mm. who shares about everything in journal in sex is that is it is there something in that or am i am i completely <laughs> completely wrong no i think absolutely it definitely was not a conscious thing that i was doing yes, so, but yeah. every you know everyone knew me as the person who told everyone everything and even like my closest best friends um you know who have, know every detail about my life never knew um, like when I was in uni that I'd been sleeping with women right, or yeah. that I had, I had romantic feelings toward women. I never, ever discussed it. I, for some reason, just felt this immense shame around it, almost like it was like a perversion or something, which it's weird for me to say because obviously I'm someone that promotes, you know, people being really comfortable in their sexuality and their sexual identity, but I think without obviously being super conscious of it, I developed this kind of like internalized homophobia just from the way that I was raised. Mm. Um, you know, my my parents didn't vote for gay marriage. They voted against it. Mm. Shit. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, when I did finally, um, when I did f- finally realize, I think maybe there's a chance I might actually just fully be gay and not even be bisexual. Um, and I'm, I've more than ever realized that I am exhausted from playing a kind of role in my relationship. Um, not that my boyfriend ever made me feel that I had to play a role, but that I realized I was doing it to myself. Um, I said to my boyfriend, it's, it's just not working. Like I, I couldn't fully articulate it at the time. I just said, I think I'm a lot more into women than what I allowed myself to really like even grasp and now I need to just take some time with that um and he was very understanding and then um it was not long after that then I did sort of make that for me it felt right to come out as gay and I it was something that I did after talking with a lot of um like close friends that I have um that are gay themselves um I didn't have any lesbian friends at the time, but gay male friends, um, because I was worried about, well, can I even call myself gay or is that invalidating someone else's sexual identity? Because I don't want people to think, well, hang on, you just spent the last 10 years bragging to everyone about all, all the, this sex you've had with men. You can't just turn around and be gay now. And, and, and that was, I guess, a, a fear of mine. But once I, I had spoken to those close friends and they said, no, absolutely, um, you can 
come out at any time you want. It's got nothing to do with how many people you've had of the opposite sex you've had, you know, sex Mm. with. Mm. Uh, That was then when I came out to my family and my grandparents. And obviously I would have never uh, done that. That was something I put a lot of thought into um, if I wasn't sure in myself. Uh, And I did have a discussion, you know, with my mom about how the way I was raised had impacted me repressing a lot of this stuff and feeling shame around it. And she did actually say, you know, if I'd known thing, you know, now that things have, you know, I, from what I know now, if I were to go back and redo the vote, the gay marriage vote, I would have voted differently. Um, I think maybe because I think for a lot of people with the gay marriage vote, if it wasn't directly, if they didn't actually have um, someone that they loved in their lives that was gay, I think maybe for some people, particularly from more conservative backgrounds, it was harder for them to like. I think, um, um, I think there's a whole, there's a lot of issues that people will react to in a, well, I'm not gay, so why, you know, that doesn't, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not Hispanic, so why would I want equal, you know, rights or protections as a, or I'm not, you know. So just for any, just for our listeners who are not in Australia, so a couple of years ago, I think it was what in 2017, yes, um, we had rather than actually having a referendum to change the law, we had our government think it was a great idea to spend billions, millions. millions. Uh, 120 million, producer Zane says, on a um, postal survey to gauge the will of the people, whether we wanted gay marriage or not. So basically it wasn't a binding vote. It wasn't anything at all. Everybody else just got mailed out a little ballot and got them. And the wording of it was so foul. It was like, do you want, it was like to be allowed for gay, do you think Mm, gay people should be allowed to get married? And look, as the daughter of a lesbian, I was incredibly fucking offended um, at the, even the way that that question was. Yep, it was. Slimy. It was like we, slimy, who are we yeah. to say? Who are we to allow somebody else to live their life? It's gross. Should we let these these queers get yes, married? Yes, Should we exactly. let it happen? Yeah. But, um, and the, but, and the but, issue but, did but, divide families, it did, um, even though we it, got, we, we got, and it we was got, passed. We got, a good um, we got a we got a yes vote, and then. Uh, they the government owned up and said, "Well, we said that if we get a yes it. vote, we'll we'll put it through." But it was a begrudging thing that didn't need to happen and that divided a lot of people. Mm. Um, Nadia, so coming out uh, to family and friends must have been one thing, but what was it that led you to feel like you wanted to come out um, in the public eye? Because, and I read your column at the time. Um, uh, like at the age of 36, just writing a column to your thousands of readers, telling them who you were. How, how did that feel and what prompted you to to do that to the world? I think for me it was coming to the realisation that the shame and stigma around uh, being gay or being queer that I had grown up with and just the complete lack of representation, you know, I, I really believe in that that concept of we can't be what we can't see. Um, I, you know, I I didn't have any examples of, you know, successful um, queer female relationships around me or in any of the media I was consuming. And the way that I realized that had impacted me to just really like lean so hard into spending so much of my life playing a character and constantly wondering why I was always going through these, you know, giant depressive spells and Mm. why I could never be happy. And, you know, why I always had 
male partners saying to me, you know, nothing I ever do is good for you. I just don't understand. What do you want? What do you need to be happy in? Me thinking like, gosh, like, what is wrong with me? Why, why can't I work out what I need from this amazing, loving boyfriend who would do anything for me? Like, why can't I be happy? I just realized reflecting on all of that, that had I just had some representation, some examples of people saying like, this is also a way you can be, and this is okay. Mm. And there's more than one way to walk this path. You, you don't have to have just come out from a young age or whatever. Um, that could have been really life-changing for me. And I actually wrote that column, uh, Liz, I'm sure you're familiar already. My column attracts because I write from, from quite a strong feminist perspective and I'm very pro, you know, women embracing their sexuality and a lot of more sort of fragile, insecure men are threatened by that. So I already get a lot of hate from specifically men. I was fully prepared when I wrote this column to have a massive amount of hate and for people to... Um, question it and say like well this is completely ridiculous you're doing this for attention you're not to mention all of the men who thought somehow that you were attracted to them through the screen and now feeling butthurt that you (laughs) don't want to date them anymore somehow yeah so i was prepared for all of that um i definitely didn't think oh i'm gonna write this column and this is gonna be like super great for like my career or something like that it was more that i realized that i wished that there just had been more of that representation for me so that I didn't have to spend so much time being so confused. And I absolutely believe, and I've always believed that sexuality is a spectrum. Obviously, um, you know, we all sit on different parts and I don't think for a second that I'm hard on the gay end. I was obviously able for many years to have sex with men, to be in relationships with men. Um, A woman that I dated after I came out, um, she referred to herself as a gold star lesbian because she'd never uh, uh, yeah. in real life. Um, a lot of obviously um, gay people don't really like that term because it can be a bit delegitimizing. But, yeah. you know, she just said even the thought of, you know, looking at a penis or touching a penis just would almost just make her feel like she's going to throw up. And obviously I was able to, you know, touch a lot of penises. (laughs) I'm I'm certainly not saying that, you know, I'm on the hard end of the gay spectrum, but I also realised through all the self-reflection, everything I did, that I have absolutely no desire whatsoever to ever be with a man again, I can still look at men and go, oh, wow, he's a really hot guy. He's very good looking. Or even, oh, he's hot and he noticed me and that feels nice. But I can also now understand why it feels nice that a a quote unquote hot guy has noticed me Mm -hmm. um, and that I don't want to be sexually intimate with a man because I feel so free and comfortable um, having sex with women. And it's not something that I ever felt when I was having sex with men. So yeah, I guess it's an incredibly long-winded way of saying that I guess my main sort of motivation for writing that column was to help someone else that might be a bit confused about where they sit on the spectrum and to let people know that you don't necessarily just have to be gay or straight or bisexual. Some people are just floating along somewhere in between and trying to work it out. And like I say, like on a really technical 
if you want to get super technical, maybe I should be calling myself bisexual because I've obviously had, you know, a number of relationships and hookups and whatnot with men, but I feel most comfortable identifying as gay, identifying as a lesbian, because that's what feels comfortable for me. And because I know in myself that I feel free that I don't need to lean into this character of being with men anymore. And it's sort of a bit like I heard someone, I, I've since discovered the whole phenomenon and trend of these late bloomer lesbians or later in life lesbians and how common it is. And it's been very validating for me to discover this whole community of women who a lot of them are women in their late thirties, forties, and even fifties that have been married and had whole families and then come out as gay and started living a, a, an out life as a gay woman. That's mm. my mum. That's yeah. my mum. My mum got married, had two kids and then went, oh, I'm a lesbian quite later in life. So Yeah, and it's so validating like hearing these other stories and I, I've heard women in this uh, late bloomer lesbian space describe it as, look, it's like you were eating vanilla ice cream all your life and you're like, you know what, vanilla ice cream is pretty good. But now you've discovered the gelato bar or whatever where there's 20 <laughs> That's right, yeah. you're never eating that vanilla ice cream again you're not going to the gelato bar and ordering vanilla and that's the way i feel in identifying as a lesbian is i have no interest whatsoever in ever having a romantic relationship or a, a hookup or anything with a man i i'm happy to have men in my life who i have a lot of love for in terms of a platonic love um but I, that's not the way that, you know, I want to move forward in my life in terms of romantic relationships. Right. So you, you mentioned that you were um, obviously worried that you were going to get uh, or expecting a lot of hate and vitriol. I don't want to give those fuckwits airtime. No. Did you get any nice comments mm. or people writing in saying, you know, thank you, this helped me or anything like that? I was actually really shocked that 99% of the feedback I got was women and actually even some men writing to me and saying, as a result of reading your column, I've realized that I'm bisexual or I've realized that I am actually gay or I've realized that I'm ready to tell, you know, my family or to to go on my first same-sex date and all, all sorts of stories that came out. Um, of people saying thank you because your my story is a little bit more unusual. It's not super linear. Um, it is a bit messy and confusing and all of those things. And I think sometimes people want to see a more messy kind of confusing story because life isn't neat and linear for all of us. And so, yeah, I was really blown away and, you know, really happy about the fact that that was actually the main feedback I got was people saying that they felt seen in some way by reading that column that's that's, that's fantastic that's yeah. we're going to say the same thing nadia um to deliver your story to the world and then have such an overwhelming percentage of people get back in a positive way that's that must feel good and feel rewarding God, to it made you in me a way. like you're it just talking fit, about it now and i'm yeah. like tearing up because i'm like it's such a good feeling when like and we've had that a couple of times on the mm. podcast where people have written in and said thank you for this it's you know and just uh, it's just must feel so wonderful to know that something that was actually quite difficult for you has helped other people and uh, nadia i was going to ask for your expertise in the way of what advice would you give to younger kids, younger people than you or or anyone, I suppose, any age who who may be in a similar position that you were once in? You know, how do you guide these these poor lost souls in the night? 
Um, I think thankfully we are starting to move now. We're not only starting to really appreciate that sexuality um, is a lot more fluid than what we previously thought um, and gender is a lot more fluid than we previously thought, but we are really starting to see and we need to see more, but we are definitely starting to see some decent representation, um, queer representation, even just, you know, representation of people with um, disabilities and different body sizes and all of these things, which I, I, like I say, you can't be what you can't see. And I think it's so good now that young people are growing up being able to see that there is more than one way to be whereas I think like uh, Liz when you and I were growing up when we were looking at Dolly magazine and Cleo it was just well the way to be was just to be a white skinny girl with you know a boyfriend you know yeah. that that was the, the model and there was no other model no nope. there was no other way to be there was no other way for your body to be for your life to look it was all about you know, be thin, be pretty, be attractive to boys and here are the 10 tips on giving great blowjobs. And so yeah. if, you, if you, like me, consumed all of that and then grew up to go, well, I'm going to give all the best blowjobs and all the boys give my blowjobs for me and you're walking around wearing it like a medal of honour, you know, it, it, it can be quite confusing. So I think, um, yeah, I guess I would just say to anyone that's um, struggling is that you maybe find one person that you feel safe to confide in about some of the feelings that you're going through, even if you're not sure. And I think the other thing too is I personally felt it was important for me to actually identify as gay. But the other thing that I love right now about the sort of the way we're moving with um, sexuality and gender is that you absolutely don't need to ever label yourself. You never need to explain your sexual identity to anyone. And if you don't feel comfortable putting a label on your attraction to um people then you don't have to you can just say i don't you know i label as a human being and i actually look forward to a time when you know kids will grow up and there won't be gay straight bi you know any of these things you'll just be a person and you'll just love who you love and we won't have to come out or explain ourselves to anyone i absolutely love that and i think that's one of the lessons that i want to take from today is that uh, it's you label yourself as much as you feel comfortable to. If it is important to you to put an identity on it, then do that. And if it's and if you're not quite sure yet, there's no rush. There is absolutely no rush to put yourself into a little box and and go. This is this is what I'm putting on my little box with my label maker, and this is this is who I am. Like you don't. It, it, all of this kind of stuff is is flexible, and you. Uh, like you can grow and change as people so as you know at one point you could be attracted to this and then later on you're attracted to that it doesn't mean you're any kind of hypocrite or turncoat or anything it just means that hey I was having vanilla ice cream and I just don't fancy it anymore (laughs) like and that's okay that's right if you if if you don't want to tell someone how you who you are or, or how you swing or anything about it that's fine in life you do that time and time and time again in you don't have to tell people how you vote you don't have to tell people how you worship or how you pray you don't have to tell people how much money you're earning you can you know you can have some secrets still in the world you don't just because someone asks you in a demanding, sneering tone doesn't mean you have to tell them, right? You don't have to own up and you don't have to be that label. You don't have to do that. Nadia, um, what's what's something that you, what's a, a lesson learnt that you learnt through this whole experience and journey for you? I mean, I, I think um, it's just about really like, I guess, trusting your 
a couple of things, I guess, like trusting your your instincts, trusting your gut, which was something that I like had been ignoring for a long time. And I think for me, um, it's about, and I think this is something that happens as we get older as well. And maybe this is, you know, part of why women come out. Uh, there are a lot of women that do come out much later in life is, is just getting comfortable with being yourself, even if that means you won't necessarily make everyone happy. Because I think for a long time, I thought that the the most impressive version of myself was someone that got, uh, you know, a boyfriend or a husband and took that person home to my family. And, you know, um, if I were to take, you know, a woman home to my family that um, maybe that wouldn't be the most impressive thing to them. And I, I was, pleasantly surprised to find that all my family were supportive. But um, what I also learned is that, um, yeah, you have to actually let go of trying to live a life that looks good to everyone else. Because obviously, particularly as someone who lives their life online, I, I think got so uh, dedicated to that cause that I started to live out a kind of storyline whether I was doing an interview whether I was writing a story or whatever I was constantly just playing a role Mm. because I was putting too much of my energy into worrying about whether my life was acceptable or impressive or valid to other people and I think you just and I think it is a, a journey that we're all on regardless of whether it's with sexuality or anything in your life um we need to just get to that place of realizing that we're never going to make everyone happy anyway. Um, depending on your religious belief, um, you know, I believe you only get one shot at this life. So live it on your own terms and live it in a way that brings you joy. And hopefully there'll be a, a few people there that can support that along the way. That is a wonderful message. Amen. Amen. Look, Nadia, thank you so much for joining us again today. Um, and I just wanted to personally thank you because I don't know if our um, readers know this, but um, Nadia was the first person who said to me way back when, because I was like, I want to be a beauty writer and a travel writer. And she's like, I've got this story that I think you should write. And it was about relationships. And when I started writing about relationships, I remember her calling me up and just going, babe, this is what you were supposed to do. This this beauty and this travel stuff, No, don't fucking waste time with this shit relationships and heartbreak and dating that is your brand and you need to stick to that and if you hadn't said that I would never have started writing relationship columns I would never have had the courage to start this and this has become such a successful um, podcast and a, and a really big part of my what makes me happy in life so Nadia thank you so much for putting me on that path that's just like the most beautiful thing you could possibly say to me. That's just made my absolute day, week, month and year. Thanks, Liz. Oh. I, I love what you do and I think that you do. Um, you do definitely have a talent for making people feel seen through the way that you talk about um, relationships and dating and you do it in such a freaking uh, engaging and hilarious way. Um and I'm so glad that you've pursued this path and it's so great watching you just go from success to success. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah, now I'm, I'm going to cry. Gonna, <laughs> no, and, I, and I'm going to double down on it because uh, sitting across from Liz for over over two years and watching her passion, her expertise and her willingness and, like, determination to put the love, like, the world right in the love, in the love sphere – 
it's pretty inspiring and it's a, it's Stop. been a delight to work across. <laughs> so everyone give Elizabeth Best. I'm not uh, crying, you're crying. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> everyone at home, uh, write in to ghostsofboyfriendspast yes. at gmail.com. Now quickly, before we go away, I do need to talk about our extra special giveaway. We have partnered with JBL. Look at and us. And we are giving away a JBL Charge 5 speaker to people who write in. So if you've got a story for our mini-sode, if you came out later in life or if you came out when you were five years old, write in. Tell us the story. Tell us what happened. Tell us any story about anything that's happened in your dating life. Yeah, how did you figure out who you are? Go what to boyfriendspast at gmail.com or apply to be a guest at thatsnotcanon.com forward slash ghost of boyfriends past and you can win a JBL Charge 5 speaker. Now, this has original pro sound. It's dustproof. It's waterproof. It has up to 20 hours of playtime and it can charge your phone. Now, let me tell you, (laughs) that is one of my favourite parts because I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh, I'm going to, you know, put this from Spotify onto my speaker and then my phone starts dying. And what is a speaker without something to connect it to? So this, they they power each other. It's like this symbiotic relationship. (laughs) It's beautiful. So thank you to JBL. If you write in in the next month um, with either a story for a mini-sode or as an application to be a guest, you'll go in the running um, to win this JBL speaker. And we're not going, we're looking for uh, the best story. The best story will be not. The, it uh, is. I need to point out it yes. is not a game of chance. It is a game of skill. That's very important to point out. Um, it doesn't have to be the best written. It yes, just has to sorry. be the story that tickles our fancy. Basically, we'll pull it out of the heap and, and you can win this the speaker that's valued at $200. Day, yeah, the lawyers have a field day with us and have and make sure that we get the point across. This isn't a game of uh, of, uh, of luck. This no. is a skill. It's a skill-based game. Skill-based game. But Therefore, prize, we don't need a permit for it. A prize will be uh, given away. Nadia, yeah. thank you for calling in and thank you for coming on our show again. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and I just, um, I'm so proud. (laughs) It's a really weird word to use when you're talking about a friend, but I'm so proud that you've gotten the courage to just embrace who you are and, and, like I keep reading your column on a weekly basis. It's so great. Go to news.com.au to check it out. We will have a link to that in the show notes. But until then, um, I've been Liz Best. I'm Tom Harris. Good luck figuring yourselves out, everybody. It's hard to do. (laughs) Good luck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There are known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. But there are also unknown knowns. The ancient and esoteric order of the Jackalope is a secret society devoted to unearthing and sharing this forgotten knowledge. Each episode, we take one of these strange stories and share it with you. No topic is off-limits, except for the obvious. Available wherever fine podcasts are sold.